Hey, this is MMM's Mark Iskowitz, editor-at-large, and I want to welcome you all to this MMM podcast titled How Video is Transforming Patient Engagement Through Storytelling and Personal Experience, sponsored by Digital Health Networks. Digital Health Networks. As with other industries, consumers are expecting more than advertising from pharma brands to engage and maintain a relationship. Patients increasingly look beyond the clinical message to meaningful stories they can relate to in a way that's personal and inspirational. They look to stories that give them hope and demonstrate they're part of a community, managing their disease, and encouraging them to thrive. Video is transforming the relationship with the patient, becoming more recognized and utilized by both major TV networks and film distribution companies addressing healthcare issues. Today, we'll discuss how the industry is evolving and some of the most effective ways to engage patients using this important medium. And we have some very special guests indeed on hand to discuss that medium. Jeffrey Erb, who's Chief Media Officer for Fisherwag Health, Tracy Yaw, who's VP of Marketing for Apis Strategies, and Mike Hale, who's co-founder of Digital Health Networks. Jeffrey, Tracy, and Mike, welcome to the MMM podcast. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Mark. Absolutely. Great to have you all. I just thought it'd be helpful for the audience uh, and for, for myself as well to just spend the first few minutes having each of you kind of introduce yourselves, give a brief background, like in terms of your professional area of interest, what you're doing now in your current role, and perhaps your connection to, to video, if you'd like. And Jeff, how about we start with you? Sure, absolutely. I appreciate that, Mark. So I've been in the healthcare space for probably longer than I want to actually admit, um, and have recently come on board to Fisherwack Health as the chief media officer, overseeing their all of their their media efforts within the entire organization as a truly unified and integrated healthcare agency. Prior to that, I had been over at uh, Interpublic Group, where I had launched Helix Global and also McCann Health Engagement. Part of my background is involved in also producing film and television. So I've worked with some people such as like Danny DeVito and Jonah Hill and Melissa McCarthy and whatnot to create some, some films and along with some television shows and whatnot. So I've always been, been very, very interested in the space. And I think it's the, the marriage of the two between television and, and film content and healthcare is something that really will help to resonate for, uh, for audiences. Great. Tracy, how about you? Well, so I, as you said, I'm VP of Marketing for APA Strategies, and I have been in the uh, marketing healthcare world for just about two years, a few years now, and um, creating, I'm helping creating branding and strategies for companies within the healthcare and telehealth areas. Specifically for this, I'm helping DHN with their CineHealth Festival, which we'll talk about later on and marketing that, getting it out there for, um, you know, the people to submit content and whatnot, but we'll get into that later. So that's really, really my role uh, with DHN is helping market their festival that's coming up. Super. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. And uh, Mike, how about yourself? Well, I have a background in media. I started with Liberty Media, or I should say the relevant experience here is Liberty Media, Johnny Malone's company out of Denver, and was partying the founder, I was part of the founding team to create the Stars Encore suite of 12 movie channels. And a lot of them were niche-based and targeted to specific audiences. And I really used those 12 years of experience to apply it to the healthcare industry because I thought there was a dire lack of storytelling in healthcare. And I looked at really the opportunities between these two huge profitable industries, healthcare, which is obviously 18% of GDP, and basically storytelling, aka Hollywood, 
whether it's TV, entertainment, media, is like 7% of GDP. So that's really what led us here today and led to Thrive Cancer, digital health networks, et cetera, and so on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great the way you, you, you all frame that in terms of these two big you know, contributors to the economy kind of unifying here uh, for the greater good. So let's, let's get into it. You know, is it I, I'd like to stay with you, Mike, just to kind of get your perspective since you've said you've been in, in, this, in this game for 12 years or so. Um, as, as technology has advanced and digital health communications have become the norm uh, in engaging with consumers, how have you seen video evolve to become a relevant medium in educating patients? Well, my view of the industry, Mark, is it's really evolved dramatically from clinician and statistics to the personal narrative. We call them stories and storytelling because that's the way as human beings we communicate and we share the experience of life. And what we're starting to see now, especially in pharma, is unleashing the power of stories to really change lives, to share the experience of what it's like as a patient to go through some therapeutic condition, what it's like as a caregiver, and most importantly, what it's like as a family member when someone is going through one of life's journeys, whatever the, you know, the uh, health issue is. And so I see this whole industry, as I mentioned before, coming together and using the power of professional Hollywood storytellers to really create compelling entertainment. Because the one thing that's essential when you're creating entertainment and you're evolving is to make sure you're hitting three, what I call the secret sources of compelling content. It doesn't matter whether you're doing primetime, Netflix, documentary, whatever, the three things that don't change is one, you've got to have a compelling story and storyteller. Two, in this category, you've got to have authentic medical information. And three, you've got to have a cast of really interesting, diverse, and most importantly, relatable characters. When that's packaged together, you can really impact lives. Yeah. And, and, uh, when you tell those stories and there's some, everyone says there's so many great stories in healthcare, you know, waiting to be told, you really increase empathy. And then that has bearing on not only, um, patients and, and their families and, and caregivers, uh, but, but professionals, medical professionals as well to, to gain empathy for what patients are going through to change their behavior, you know, to influence, um, the way they think about treating certain conditions. Um, you know, Jeff, as you, as you've mentioned, you've got quite a background, uh, in the entertainment, uh, business. Um, how have things kind of evolved from your point of view? So I think it's, uh, to echo Mike, I think it's really exciting. And, and as it relates to the way that we can start to bring this forward, to uh, audiences, because I, I feel that the way that people are trying to relate and want to understand their own healthcare conditions really is is not all about you know the clinical aspects of it or or becoming part of a, of a program. Often, I think a lot of what a lot of people want to experience is they want to understand that they're going to be okay, and that's why these inspirational stories become so important because it's not just about telling people about their disease state or telling people about a treatment, but it's actually looking at it and understanding that somebody else has gone through it. Somebody else has lived through an experience and I can live through it too. And not only live through it, but, but thrived as it relates to how they've come through. And, and I think that's what the exciting 
opportunity is as it relates to telling these stories from a, a healthcare perspective to make sure that you know we're we're bringing forward all of this from a a, a medically relevant perspective, but also putting it in a format that, that, that people can relate to in a very easy and, and approachable way. Yeah. That's, that's the name of the game, right? That it's, it's, it's bite-sized, it's snackable. If, if that's, if that's what's necessary or it's a documentary uh, or a feature length, uh, whatever the case may be, whatever the application calls for, uh, which is a nice segment segue, excuse me, to our next question in terms of what kinds of content you all are, are, are seeing patients and consumers most drawn to as it relates to, to video and television. That's the, the thing. It's, I think really what, what we're seeing is more inspirational stories, right? It's, it's about it's that connection that we can make between somebody who's suffering from a condition and another person who's gone through it. I think that's really kind of the key. As it relates to the specific kind of content, I think what we're finding and, and what you see is that there's a lot of different kinds of therapeutic categories that are out there. I think frequently people tend to look at the most obvious ones, right? There's let's talk about weight loss or let's talk about mental health or let's talk about diabetes. But you know, you, you see things out there on specific rare diseases and, and you see content that's been created about things that, that people have, that there's only a few different patients that, that might have that. And that that is almost more important than sometimes some of the larger content because those are people who really don't have anybody to turn to or sometimes aren't even aware that they that there's other people that, that have that condition and have never met somebody who have a similar condition that they do. And I think that's the kind of thing that that you know we're able to look at and see and understand that, that people want to understand. That I, I, I kind of joke around a little bit, but there's, there's people like my dad and my son who are very you know, um, right-brained and, and they, they think about the condition and they're going to look up and research every little bit of it and how it's going to be treated and how it impacts the body. But I think, you know, the, the larger number of people out there are people who just want to know they're going to survive this or they're going to get through it or, or how do I live with this in a way that that's going to make sure that my life is meaningful and sustainable. Yeah. Mike, you want to build on that? Well, the way we've really approached it, Mark, at DHN TV is basically to build upon audience familiarity and what they're familiar with and really create programming, original and obviously acquired, that really will engage them. For example, if you look at a consumer's, uh, sorry, an audience's normal TV and entertainment consumption, you know, they're familiar with shows like in the healthcare category, like ER, Grey's Anatomy, The Good Doctor, and all of them go back to that secret source I mentioned beforehand. So what we've done in DHN, we've got shows like Inside the Operating Theatre, Trauma Level 1. We've got the drama, the real-life heartbreaking drama of Children's Hospital. We've combined that with a whole lot of other series that relate to other aspects other than the therapeutic side of the channel, uh, like weight loss, as Jeff mentioned, we've got Eat Yourself Sexy. And that gets back to the attitude of the platform. It's not all, you know, just a collection of programs. It's carefully curated and presented. So if you came in for one thing, you might stay for another. And what we've been delighted to find out is the data that we've seen is people might come in, for example, to look up something on cancer it could be an immunotherapy story, for example. They're then moving over to inside the operating theatre and then over to something on healthy food or a documentary like The Gut Revolution, which is really groundbreaking, and it's just coming into its, I think, forte now, is the deep connection between gut, food, and mental health. 
which is, you know, has really only come to the foreground, I think, in about the last three to five years. Mm -hmm. So that's the collection of program we've created. And as we continue to look at the data, we continue to involve. But right now we're about 80% story-driven, about 20% clinical. Like we do have the Mayo News and and other um, USC and also UCLA out here. You know, we've got doctors on, et cetera. But again, we are not evolving more to a complete storytelling platform. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mean, you talk about the mix of programming that you offer on DHN. And it's really fascinating. I mean, obviously, the academics and the researchers are doing all the research. And we journalists, or I use that term loosely when I refer to myself, reporters, you know, are trying to amplify it and just kind of connect the dots. But you on the entertainment side, on the storytelling side, you're also you're playing an important role in terms of translating that that information to the public and helping them discover. And I think, you know, when you were talking about some of the that programming mix, I think when it gets to the kind of the next question in terms of why do you think that consumers are drawn to video as a mean, as a means of gaining information? I think it, it sounds like not only are they interested in the in the dramas, you know, we're all kind of captivated by the Grey's Anatomies of the world, but also it, it's it's a great medium for learning about new science, like as you mentioned, gut health, you know, and the and the and the microbiome and all that, you know, these kinds of fascinating new cutting edge areas of health and science too. Do you, do you agree with that, Mike? Well, I do. If you look at a, another example, not related to digital health networks, Mark, but one that I think is is very important is what National Geographic is doing. They are working with bio and tech. The people, the German husband and wife that really are responsible for the COVID vaccine. And an unintended consequence of that is a potential cancer vaccine. So National Geo, because they do this a bit like PBS, is signed on for the long term. So that's an example. If I said to you, like, you know, what's exciting about clinical trials, that would be like saying, what's exciting about forensics? You know, (laughs) forensics became CSI. And now most of the Discovery Channel is programmed by who killed who in the family, shows, you know, things like that. Yeah, there's a never-ending sort of stream of material uh, because science, you know, is producing a never-ending stream of innovation. And, and the biotech revolution is, you know, continues to produce um, an unprecedented number of products, many of them for unmet needs, right? And so I think that sort of gets to the question of to what do you attribute the growth in television content that's geared toward health, probably that, right? That, that sort of, would you agree with that, Mike? You're 100% correct. I mean, it's just a natural evolution, the way people have consumed entertainment and news. I mean, all of our news, all of our TV before healthcare is story-driven and related. And now that's moving into the most important part of our life, our well-being, our longevity. So that is why in video, if like if we're talking about something and I said to you, and you said, gee, Mike, how do I do this? And I said, you know what? There's a great article over here. It's five pages long. You're probably going to go blank trying to read it. But if you can see a video with a compelling story that you can relate to, for someone who's like you, who's gone through something, some healthcare issue, whatever, or someone who's trying to aspire for a better, healthier life, that's going to have more impact on you, and that's going to be more relevant. You're going to come back to that video time and time again. I mean, you're seeing it on TikTok now, albeit a shorter version, but that same sort of principle is at bay. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. I'd like to build on that if you don't mind, Mark. Um, Please. First off, I, I got to check out Eat Yourself Sexy, Mike, because <laughs> I, I could use some help here. I need to I need to check that show out to to figure that out. But um, the uh, I, that's a new one. That's that's a, that sounds like a great title. But to build on on that whole con- comment, I, I think that another thing that's really helped drive that increase in healthcare content because you're seeing it on CNN, you're seeing it on. Um, pretty much every major network now is, is, has content. In addition to a lot of films that, that are that are coming out that are specific to content. I mean, you know, DHN's recently produced a series that's becoming a film right now with the, the CEO of, of Sermo. But I mean, I think another piece of the puzzle is really a lot of this has has really been, I think, a, a huge growth ever since COVID. Quite honestly, and I think part of that is because people are taking a more conscious and prescriptive interest in their own health and well-being and the way they take care of themselves. And I think that you're seeing more and more people more focused on it because health care has become, COVID caused health care to become a central point of everybody's life um, where it may not have been before. And I think that, that that awareness has really helped the entire industry out, quite frankly, as it relates to uh, making sure that people are, are, are more cognizant and conscious of their own health. And so you're seeing more content being created that helps support that. Yeah, it's a great, great point. And uh, I want to get to the uh, to the film festival. Uh, you know, speaking of films, VHN recently announced the CineHealth International Film and Video Festival. Tracy, could you tell us more about that and why it's something you feel would be impactful? Absolutely. I um, Well, first of all, we're really excited about it and um, we're very excited to be announcing it. So it's a festival that is bringing together voices and creators and patients who have personal stories to tell that all come together into one place where we can illustrate and give a platform to people to be able to view new content and inspiring voices within the healthcare space. It's something that's really bringing forward all of this new creativity because there's so much that's being done within the healthcare space from a content perspective that this gives us, gives it one place for everybody to see what is happening. And it covers everything from um, films to stories or uh, films to shorts to TikToks, to series and reels, even to podcasts. So it brings all of this content creation together in a way that makes it visible for people to get recognized for their efforts. We've seen festivals highlighting specific therapeutic categories in the past, but there hasn't been anything that really covers healthcare in the broader sense. Digital Health Networks really does that from an overall content aggregation perspective um, as a TV network. This festival allows us to find new voices, new content creators, and even new stories that people are telling that become inspiring for people in order to raise that visibility. Right now, we are excited. We're looking for submissions. So submissions are open. You can go to the website at www.asina-health.com in order to submit your content. And it's going to culminate in award September in our award ceremony, excuse me, in September uh, in Philadelphia. So we're really excited about how this is all coming together. And we have a lot of really great responses and feedback to this. We have some really great judges in the pharma industry from the television space and the film space. 
We have actors from TV shows like Riverdale. We have producers who have worked with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, who are also judges. And all of this is going to be a way for us to really give this content the kind of credibility and visibility that it deserves. One of the reasons it's so impactful is because it does provide this platform for these content creators. You know, they have these stories to tell and patients who want to tell stories that are inspiring about their condition. And it gives them the opportunity to, to put them out there on a broader page. And it just, again, it gives them the voices and the visibility. And we're really, really excited about it. And we not only give people or encourage people to get out there and submit, you know, send their submissions in, but also to stay tuned to seeing the winners and viewing the content that's going to be submitted. Super. And yes, you could submit your content at, uh, as Tracy said, Cine hyphen health. That's C-I-N-E hyphen health.com. I thought we were the only ones with a hyphen in our, in our URL, but yeah. apparently not. Correct. Okay. Right. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the club. All right. It's moving right along. Thank you for that, Tracy. Um, sounds really exciting. How has the increase in the content being produced impacting a pharmaceutical brand's relationship with a patient's? Sure, absolutely. Well, I think a, a number of different things, right? It, it provides an opportunity for people, again, to be more aware and conscious of their health, which which is very, very important for pharmaceutical brands to be able to make that connection and support them in, in ways beyond just their specific treatment, right? So, you know, as we've kind of evolved within the, the marketing space in the pharmaceutical industry, what we're seeing is that we really need to surround people with content and with information that is uh, relevant and supports them beyond just the therapy itself. And you know, the, the kind of content that is being created in, in, in a lot of cases is more informational and, again, speaks to that, that ability to connect with the person that you're uh, trying to treat. And so there's a lot of really great opportunity from that perspective for pharmaceutical brands to be able to, to get involved in that content creation and be part of that, that whole resurgence and be able to relate to people in a way that's different than they might have related to them before, right? Mm -hmm. It's different from just a, a bunch of people uh, smiling and dancing on a beach who just found out they had brain cancer, which is not very realistic, and, and, but that's what you see often in, in an ad, right? So, but in this case, they can relate to patients in a way that is meaningful by supporting this kind of storytelling and, and really taking a different perspective with regards to the way that they, they evolve the overall relationship that they have with the patient. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we talk about this, this branded film content, I mean, we've certainly seen a, an increase uh, in, in the number of branded uh, films out there from, from pharma companies, um, highlighting, as you said, sometimes rare diseases, sometimes not so rare ones. What are, what are some of the most effective ways that uh, pharma marketers uh, are, are leveraging the medium and, and can improve the way they do so? Well, that's a great question. And I think it's just interesting because here today, you know, even in the office day at Fisherwack, we're really kind of looking at different opportunities for our client base and everything from creating content that, that follows a particular person who is suffering from a disease state and, and really and having that person following that person on the journey so people can understand or relate to their treatment paths and, and how they've experienced it and distributing that. It's really important to create that connection with the patient, um, utilizing even super short form video content like TikToks and Reels 
uh, is really, really engaging and interesting. So you've got the ability to, to relate to people both from a, a kind of long form perspective as it relates to, to film, but then you've also got the ability to create serialized content that might be shorter form in the form of like, you know, five to 10 minutes. And then even, even bite-sized content in the form of like TikToks and Reels where you're really able to relate and connect with people based upon where they are, both in their healthcare journey, as well as who they are from a persona perspective. You know, what, what age demographic are they? Um, what kinds of content do they relate to more effectively? Because, you know, we've, we've really evolved. I mean, with, the, you know, people sit on their phones all day long and on the train, they watch video content on the way into the office, right? Uh, video has become a core method of digesting, consuming, and connecting with information. And as a result of that, um, it really enables pharmaceutical companies to to more effectively connect with the the patient uh, and HCP. Quite honestly, HCP segment as well. Yeah, they're getting a lot of information on TikTok as well. HCPs, right? They absolutely surprisingly are. so. They are. They're on there and they're learning. I was very you know surprised that I knew that they were on there. You know, kind of talking to younger demographic. Um, and, but, but I was surprised to hear that it also has kind of become a major medical education medium in and of itself. Are, are there therapeutic categories that benefit more from, from leveraging storytelling and the use of video from your perspective? The one we did focus on initially and continue to do so, Mark, is really, you know, cancer. Because it's one of the most scariest words next to shark and no Wi-Fi that you're going to hear in your life. <laughs> so, so, so we really focused on that. And to give, I think, a more tangible example, uh, Jeff mentioned Sermo CEO Peter Kirk. Um, mm -hmm. I was just loosely connected Great with example, Peter. Yeah. And when I found out, he, you know, being Danish, it was very rare for him to even admit any weakness. He'd become mm -hmm. public because he's very, very private. I'm private about his family. And when he did the post on LinkedIn about his, you know, cancer journey, I called him up and I said, look, we have to get this on film. And he said, oh, no, no, I'm just going to get my iPhone and do this. I said, no, no. The impact you can have on people will shock you and dwarf mm. your own experience. Because we all know he went from being the sickest person in ICU at MSK to one year later, exactly one year later, running the New York Marathon and completed it. Since then, he's become a running man and is doing all these mini marathons. But the, again, the law of unintended consequences, Mark, he's raised millions of dollars for medical research and cancer research. His story has wow. brought other stories out. It's got physicians to run. And that one short piece of content has now become a complete series as Jeff again mentions, coming to be a film documentary, and there's even talk of basically becoming a movie. In other words, a scripted wow. movie, because again, the most compelling stories of Hollywood come from real life, all of our lives. Mm -hmm. So that's just an yeah. example, yeah. you know. But you know, we've uh, and again, that's probably the most I think current and extreme. But even in the short form, immunotherapy stories. 50 States, 50 Stories is a great series about teenage cancer and what those people at a very young age have had to go through that most of us haven't. So, again, it gets back mm -hmm. to the compelling stories and packaging and presenting in a very easy to navigate and consumable form. 
And, and in both those cases, Peter's cases and in the 50 states, 50 stories case, you're humanizing an illness that can be very scary uh, for people. It is very scary for people. Um, and um, showing that, that uh, they can triumph uh, and overcome, uh, which is very inspirational. Inc- incredible stuff. That, that's great. Great examples. What, what are some of the ways of, of measuring the effectiveness of, of the video content? Obviously, you know, in some of the examples you talked about, impact on research funding, but uh, obviously that can't always be the case. But what are some of the more sort of uh, standard ways that you use to measure the effectiveness of, of uh, video content? Well, I think from my perspective, it ties right into the impact that you have. So if you're speaking about it from a branded perspective, you know, and you're looking at it from somebody who's either sponsoring it or, or creating it, or even putting advertising within it. There's some obvious ways to measure its success. It's, it's really understanding what kind of prescription lift that you're driving as it relates to that. And the, the engagement levels that you see on well-produced video content are significantly higher than, than you would expect. I think, generally speaking, you find that you know 20 to 30 seconds is, is a sign of strong engagement. But on, on really well-produced video content, I mean, I, I was in a meeting today where people are, are receiving up to four-minute engagements. And and Mike, I, I don't know if you have the, the statistics handy, but I know that you guys have, have the average time that people spend watching video content is, is really significant. Do you have that stat on hand? It's like, it's like an hour or so, isn't it? I think it's like one hour and six minutes, Jeff, on average. Yeah. So, I think, you know, from a measurement perspective, you're talking both the amount of time that people spend engaged in it, along with their uh, their recall from a, a, an educational perspective. And then, of course, from a pure media metric standpoint, what kind of uh, lift you're able to demonstrate from a prescription and also from an overall engagement with the brand. Sure, that makes sense. That makes sense. So it's a mixture of the, some of those classic media types of metrics, along with uh, ones that are specific uh, to, to the video and film uh, industry. A couple more questions here. I'll, I'll let you all go. How does video fit into the overall media mix, and how does reaching patients through video provide the ability to improve patient outcomes? Well, I think I talked about that a little bit just now in that in that last question. Uh, you know, really, it's it's a matter of uh, making sure. I, I mean, personally, I think that that. Video is, is so critical at this point because of the, the levels of engagement that we're seeing, and they're only, they're only increasing, right? And so it's really important to um, make sure that that's a consistent part of it because you're seeing higher engagement levels through video content than anything else. And, and whether that's video content that's being created and that you're distributing through your own platforms or it's video content that you're sponsoring and be created and, and is being distributed through platforms like digital health networks, you know, all of that should be part of your overall media mix, depending upon what your budget is, quite honestly. Um, and, it, and it demonstrably is, is able to improve patient outcomes because of the fact that patients are so much more aware of their condition and they're so much more aware of the possibilities and, and opportunities from a treatment perspective that they can achieve. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Uh, just that awareness um, can, can have an impact on outcomes. Okay, let's just spend the last couple minutes just talking about where you all see the future evolving, um, you know, in terms of new content producers gaining visibility and distribution. Mike, you want to start us off? I'd go back to the beginning of the podcast, Mark. I see more professional Hollywood storytellers becoming engaged. I mean, a recent example is um, GSK had just released a short film about uh, meningitis vaccine. And they've got two stars that escape me right now. They've got them involved. And it's professionally produced, meaning the budgets are expanding 
because if we can serve up quality information in an entertaining way, consumers are going to watch, engage, and actually act on the information to their own betterment and the betterment of everyone around them. So I see, again, echoing Jeff, the greater push and expansion of professional crafted content. And again, really, I think uh, a continuing push into personal experience and really getting that drama of what someone's going through. And I see a lot more series. People have proven they like series. They get engaged with the characters, they move on. So I think what you're going to see is a lot more real-life situations on the Netflixes of the world. Uh, they're actually already experimenting with diagnosis. It's a new series they've got. And uh, hmm. oh, the other one I've forgotten. But no, diagnosis is a good example where they've combined forensics with what's wrong with someone and they actually solve it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love those medical mystery programs also, yeah. Those are great. Those are great. Jeff, you want to take a stab at that? Sure. No, I, I mean, from what, you know, kind of building off a little bit off of, of what, what Mike said, I mean, what I, what I find really, really interesting is, you know, you're seeing more and more people from a celebrity standpoint, and they're not just paid. I mean, in some cases, there, there's, there's paid uh, activations around a particular celebrity who has a particular condition. But, you know, you're seeing, and I, celebrity is probably a bad word, but I should really say is, is, you know, personalities, right? Like visible personalities. You know, you've got um, you know, governors who are coming out and, and talking about their, their mental health, right? And, and, and nobody has ever done that before. You've got, you've got actors and actresses who are out there talking about the fact that they just came, up, came down with MS. Mm -hmm. You've got Bruce Willis. And, and, and these people are not hiding it anymore. They're, they're coming out. They're talking about it. And video is a way to demonstrate that and, and make sure that they are able to reach and engage and connect with, with people who want to know about it. I mean, if Bruce Willis has a, has a condition like that, then, then you know, and, and I might, then, you know, I'm not the only one. You know, it's, it can happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the kinds of things that are really interesting. And I think that you're going to see more and more people who are coming out, not just as a paid spokesperson, so to speak, but really to kind of come out and, and truly talk because they care about the condition that they have and they want to make sure that they can inspire others. So I think mm -hmm. that that's a, a way that I think it's, it's really beginning to evolve. And I think that the, the other, the other aspect of it is I think that they're, they're, it's really interesting. I, I'm not a TikTok person. Like I quite honestly, I'm, I think I've I aged out of really understanding why people like that, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a really, people like it. And, and you're seeing that bite-sized content that is beyond, that's going now beyond just people, you know, uh, mimicking dance moves and really creating right. meaningful content that's, that's being engaging with people. And that to me is, is an evolution, right? It's taking something that was designed for, um, you know, pure entertainment and is now evolving to, to really help uh, and engage with people in a way that, that improves their lives. Absolutely. And I agree wholeheartedly in terms of it's not just, you know, paid spokespeople as much as anymore as people who really have an authentic either situation, you know, with Nick Jonas and diabetes saying do, doing the Super Bowl ad or it's, you know, I just interviewed uh, Patrick Dempsey on the podcast a couple of months ago who has this whole line of cancer centers. Uh, because his mother passed away from ovarian cancer and he has done some amazing things with uh, holistic uh, care. So he's, he's, he's doing incredible work as well. Tracy, any thoughts on the future? All right. For what it's worth, I'll add my two cents. But I mean, I reiterate with what Jeff and Mike both said, 
this video content is giving people more of an opportunity to share their information, which is, which is what we've been, you know, we've repeated this throughout the entire podcast. And it, in my opinion, it's, it's creating this new data bank, this healthcare data bank. You know, we, we have all these medical records that are written and, you know, computerized and whatnot, but this is actual life um, stories that people are sharing and telling, and you can see, and it creates, in my opinion, a whole nother way of following healthcare for individuals. It's not just that, you know, you go to the doctor, you get a shot, you're, you know, it's, it's the, it's the story behind it. How does it feel? What are the, what are the um, side effects? Uh, how are you living through this? How, you know, your day-to-day, you know, um, life it's, it's creates this ability for everybody to relate and we've never had something like that before. It's always been really difficult to get your records from the doctor. You know, you had to pay for them. And by putting it out there, um, your stories out there, we now can relate our own information to others and continue to share it. So I, I look at it like this new data bank, this wealth of information that we are having visually that we never had before. And, and visually, it obviously comes the stories that we've never had before. And it just it's a whole new way of, of experiencing um health conditions and how to treat them and live through them. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It's a whole new, you know, source of information that we really haven't had to, you know, to help us as a resource, you know, to deal with our illness before. But now we have that. It's a great point. So we've, we've successfully connected Hollywood with healthcare here. This has been a terrific uh, conversation. You're all a wealth of knowledge. And I thank you so much for uh, for joining us for this podcast. And uh, for those who have more questions, you can go to cine-health.com to submit your submissions for the awards or digitalhealthnetworks.net uh, if you have questions about their programming. Thank you again for joining us, Jeff, Tracy, and Mike. This has been fascinating. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark.